weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Welcome back, weirdos, Krakoans, and all you towering undersea death machines out there. Welcome mm-hmm. once again to your weird dose of X as we officially, for reals, dive into Axe Judgment Day number one. No more preludes. Mm-mm. My name is Jason, and back to help me do that is our good friend Chris Sheehan. Chris, how are you this fine, sweltery July day? Oh boy, out here in Phoenix, it's a little less sweltery. I think you might actually have higher temperatures on the East Coast right now, which is... That is unusual. I, I think it is a sign of the end times here. There there might be beasts rising out of the waters right now, a mechanical, ancient, whatever the hell's. <laughs> but um, no, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And uh, before we get into it, I wanted to both apologize and thank uh, our friend Ruben for pinch hitting last week. Uh, it was a scary time at my home. Um, we had a very, very sick pet here. We didn't think she was going to make it. Um, it, to, it was to the point where like, we were literally uh, jamming a syringe down her throat with baby food, trying to just get uh, nutrients into her because she, uh, she was just unresponsive. And then one day she woke up like a brand new pup and was booking around the house doing like the Prince of Persia run on the walls. It was ridiculous, <laughs> but uh, she's better now. Um, oh, but it was, it was not, uh, it was a, it was dark, dark times when we were supposed to record this last week. So I yeah. apologize for not being there and a huge thank you to Ruben for uh, Yeah, Ruben for was a, a great last minute fill-in and uh, yeah, he was ready to go and we, we got it out there. So hope everyone enjoyed that little special mm-hmm. feature. Uh, I do have one news item before we get into our main issue, and that oh, is... Yeah, I, I forgot that it was International Pretend to Give a Crap About Comics Weekend. Ooh! There was some... I mean, sure, there's all the MCU stuff, Ooh. there's 75 more movies coming out. And this this they, is the weekend did. where we all say, hey, we always loved comics. We loved well, comics they, for years. It, there was some more announcements about, uh, there is going to be a movie called The King Dynasty, and... Uh, when when you found out that Kang was the, the brand new uh, big villain, I, I I did smile and think of you when I saw that news. Mm. But there was actual comic news happened as well, and we don't have any details. But in 2023, there's going to be a new book by Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Sheedy, who is the artist of this book, and Hickman, of course, mm. the architect of the uh, you know the the new Krakoa era of the X Men. And all we see is there's a starry, cosmic looking background. And the words, what happens when the powers that be meet the natural order of things? And I mean, that kind of sounds a little bit like Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals, but I mean, we're, we have that already. Mm-hmm. So we have that. And then Hickman himself has dropped the cryptic hint that this project is like Sandman for the Marvel Universe. The, the thing we never knew we wanted was because we didn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that could be taken. I'm clearly that's on purpose. I'm going to be taken course, a million different ways. You know, is it something, you know, there is that that one weird cosmic dreamlike Sandman type creature. I forget his name, who was uh, tied in with uh, Nighthawk back in the 80s. Mm. There's, does he just mean, oh, it's going to be kind of a, a, a grown up long form storytelling like the Sandman books were for Vertigo? Who knows? It's, it's just a, I think it's a uh, Disney Plus pitch put on paper. I think that's probably all it's going to be. I... I'm not looking forward to, um, I, I'd like him to just go away. He clearly has other things on his plate that he cares about far more than his Marvel work, so he can go. Um, I hope it's not X-Men related. I hope it's not uh, Miracle Man related. Um, that is another theory. I've anything else, he could, do, he could do whatever the hell else he wants. Just leave, leave my stuff alone for a minute. Well, and that's, that's 
2023, so who knows how many more. <laughs> who knows if it'll six, even happen. Six to, six to 18 months from now, that'll come out. Yeah. But that is just a little hint on something. Today, our main idea is we're going to mm-hmm. ju- dive into this Judgment Day number one issue. And what are you going to be calling this? You're, you're going to be calling this like oh. Dawn of Judgment, and uh, yeah, I'll I, be calling I, I, this going, AVX. Yeah, I keep going Dawn, Dawn of Justice, Dawn of Judgment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I can't I, stop saying AVX. So uh, we'll, but, we'll, well, anything we're talking about is this. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to print it correctly on the podcast title itself. So if you're ever confused, just look at your phone and there you go. tell us what you were talking about. <laughs> so yeah, this is the number one book itself. And it's, it's uh, you know, uh, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Valerio Shidi, and art, uh, colors by Marte Gracia. And yeah, we're, we're actually in it after all this windup. Mm-hmm. So we start off with, it's clearly supposed to evoke the feeling of the Eternals book, but different, because we have this opening page, which just must be New York City, because it's Marvel, of course it's New York yeah, City. Yeah, of course. Just some you know, normal folks walking around being normal, uh, and we get these voiceover bubbles, which look like the machine was talking to us back in Eternal, yeah. but in red instead of blue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very cryptic. We only get this on the very first page and the very last page. In between, I don't think we have any narration. Now, do you do you have any theories on this machine? On, I, the, on this voice, this ethereal. I do. I, I think that uh, when we get to that last page, I think that probably gives away the the store. Okay, okay. So I had another idea as well, uh, in addition to that one. But we'll get there when we get there. But uh, we open. It's an ordinary day, right? And like like Jason said, it's evocative of Eternals. It's a definitely. One thing I will give this book, which, not to put the cart before the horse, I thought it was just okay, but it does a really good job of melding the three properties together uh, with elements of each of their okay. you know, current year manifestations or just iterations. It, it does a pretty good job of making it feel like we are in current day Marvel with all the, with all the proper status quos in place. Doesn't really contradict anything, doesn't really ignore anything. Everything just kind of works, which is, which is a real- uh, That's an achievement. You know, yeah, definitely an achievement. A tip of the hat to Gillen for you know playing every single ball where it lay instead of uh, doing what past Marvel architects have done and just like said, yeah, well, I didn't see that. Yeah, well, we don't have any editors, to read this stuff. Come we don't on. have any editor's note saying this takes place before this. This oh, takes God. place after yeah, this that. This is three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's taking place in 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 the now, right now. So this voice, it's got these those red bubbles with kind of the the angled off corners, yeah. and it's. It's, he's talking about so how powerful he is. He says, he, I do not yet exist, mm-hmm. which is, that's a cool little idea. But sure. he's so powerful that even before he exists, I guess he can project himself back in time to speak mm-hmm. to us, the readers. Again, breaking the fourth wall the same way that the machine, the machine does. Yeah. And he says, come, you know, we got, we got a lot to learn. Come learn along with me. Who are the heroes here? We will find out. So we have our three Three, you know, three title groups: your Avengers, mm-hmm. X Men, and Eternals. And we're going to find out that none of those groups are really monolithic either. So no. we have various shifting forces and ideas within everything. So that mm-hmm. sets the scene, and we get our three pages of creds and our cast. Because <laughs> we need we need that for sure. We, we definitely well, uh, need. That. I did like that on the uh, the dramatis personae kind of page here. He did boil it down. I mean, you could have listed. Hundreds and hundreds of characters here, but we're boiled down to five Avengers. That would have taken effort. I, I think we're doing this as quick and dirty as possible. So we're gonna, just, we're not gonna, we're not gonna fill the page the way we. Can. I, I guess I'm looking at this as more of a more of a glass half full than than, than you are. That's right. <laughs> no, we got I'm, five I'm, Avengers. I'm burnt out already. Thirteen X Men, 
and six Eternals. Mm-hmm. And we do see Ornos is listed among those six six it Eternals sure we're going to be talking to. So if Eternals-wise, we've got Ajak, Druig, Jack of Knives, Makari, Circe, and Uranos. Uranos. And I'm going to say Uranos and Uranos and Uranos. I'm going to say it every possible way, so... You'll know who guy. we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So next, we pop over to New York City, and it's a scene very much reminiscent of what we saw back in, oh, somewhere in the middle Eternals of the number Eternals. five? Something like five? That. Yeah. Okay. Where Circe mm-hmm. and Tony are having dinner... And that was a, I mean, that was a scene that confused me a lot because Cersei did something to mess with Tony's mind a little bit. Yeah, like I think she the pretended to be, was, like she pretended to be an like one of Thanos's uh, folks to try to get uh, the the forgotten one. I, I forgot his name, Gilgamesh, <laughs> to get him to come out, and uh, and Tony, you know, got kind of walloped there. Yeah, and the, I think the point was to not let the Thanos secret slip. Right? They were they knew yeah. Thanos was a problem. They didn't want the Avengers to know Thanos was bad. They wanted I think to that was the do their idea. own work around. Yeah, yeah. This so, time it's different, though. This time mm-hmm. the if the Avengers get the upper hand here, it's uh, as though Cersei has been and she she's drinking a Bloody Mary with a uh, with a straw. Is that something that people do? Uh, I don't I would know. Think I, a bloody, I, I don't. I'm not a drinker, but I would think a Bloody Mary might be a little too thick to drink with a straw. Then again, I, like I said, I'm I used don't to drink, just seeing the pictures of Bloody Marys on, on, you know, the internet with, you know, there's a, a chicken wing and a cheeseburger yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think know, a celery pork, sticking yeah. out of it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, I think there's probably a celery coming out of it. On the yeah, internet. there is, there is, there are some weeds coming out of this class. Yes. But, um, yes, yeah, Cersei is here. Uh, they're chatting up and well, the Avengers are on to, uh, the Eternals. Now the Eternals, they had a little battle with the Avengers at the end of their series there. They busted into the mountain. They were kind of creeping around. And here, Tony's making it seem like a casual little get-together, but, uh, well, then the Phoenix comes, and uh, what's-her-face? Cersei is, like, shocked, and and she is taken. She was, she's taken by the Avengers. We don't know where just yet, but uh, or for what reason. Right. But, First, uh, she's just dragged up into space where we yep. see uh, Captain Marvel and Thor hanging out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Tony looks awful surprised here, which, when I saw that picture, I thought maybe Tony wasn't in wasn't on the in scheme, on yeah. but, but, but he clearly he was. Is. Maybe he yeah. just wasn't expect Phoenix to be quite so well, aggressively zoomy about it. And, and he is played by Robert Downey Jr., so he's a pretty good actor, so <laughs> that, that's all we care about nowadays, anyway. Uh, so from that, here, we go to the treehouse. Yeah, huh? so that's our first actual scene. Well, yeah. I look like a, a shot. If you if think of this as a versus and a versus, this is the first time the Avengers are actively doing, you know, making an aggressive. The first shot across the bow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And from then, here, yeah, Cyclops, and you say we move into, into uh, the treehouse in New yeah. York City. So who do we have Cyclops hanging out ba- there? Cyclops basically says what I've been saying for like a year and a half now. He is he's the voice of the reader, yes. Yeah, he's complaining. He's like, hey, it sucks that the uh, the Phoenix is part of the Avengers now. Why Why? why is that a thing? And uh, well, the reason is because Marvel doesn't give a crap about the X-Men so much. Um, he's there complaining. Uh, Gene's like, eh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so uh, you know, possessive over, you know, a planet-destroying entity or uh, whatever the hell. But the cool thing about this, and this is something I haven't yet read yet. This is something that uh, I, this is kind of new to me. The fact that Mutant Resurrection is now known yes, to the public, um, which published is, is by pretty, Ben Urick. Yes, Ben Urick, uh, who had his mind wiped early in Volume 6 of X-Men. Uh, he was given the secret again, went to press with it, yada, yada, yada. So, well, you know, that's step one. Step two is how do the public react to such a thing? And we see that here, and it's I really like the imagery they're using here because um, there's... There are these infinity logos on, on like poster board. People are like 
you know, protesting, rioting, or not rioting, but protest, demonstrating, I should say. And it has the infinity there, meaning, you know, it turned, it, you know, life forever, nothing ever ending, with an X through it, which I'm surprised they didn't actually co-opt into some sort of a logo for the era. Because it, 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 I'm sure you get the right artist to design this. It could look really awesome. Yeah, this this looks homemade. I mean, it's supposed to because these are just, you know, people these are demonstrating, protesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've got slogans like "Hands off Mars," so they're throwing the Mars thing in there too. And yes. forever isn't just for mutants and life hoarders, which is maybe not the you know the smoothest slogan, but it gets the point across. So yeah, we don't know how widespread this is. We don't know if this is a majority of the population. We don't know if this is you know one percent of wackos. Yeah, we know there's at least in front of the treehouse. Right. You know, we're in New York yeah. City. There's a lot of people, and you know we see some people who. You know, have have lost loved ones recently, and you know, sure. obviously, you're thinking, boy, if I could just have them, have I don't know back. it's going to pop out of an egg, but you know, if I could have yeah. them back, that would be great. And so, what about the mutants? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a it's it's an interesting thing, and uh, that's one of the things because it's it's one of those you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube sort of moments. Like right. you're not going to be able to walk this one back. So this is just out there now, and it has to be dealt with. And the fact that it is out there, front and center, tells me that there's. Oh, Fingers crossed there's a plan <laughs> and it's not going to be, you know, Dr. Strange isn't going to show up in, in issue six and be like, okay, everyone forget like he did with, you know, Spider-Man's uh, secret identity yeah. at the Civil War. Or so like hopefully Dare- Daredevil's identity has gone back and forth a couple oh, times. 700 times. The purple kids. Yes. So hopefully this is some, this is uh, a way they're going to address it here. I'm not too keen on them going back to the, it's always fear and hate. It's always fear and hate. Stop with that, please. Um, that's <laughs> not novel anymore. It's not like it's, I feel like we've evolved past that. Um, because I mean, sure, but I mean, if we're trying to take it semi-realistically, if there really is an island full of a couple hundred thousand. Sure, sure. You know, super, not all of them have like actual super, superpowers, but you know. They have extra powers, like, for we sure. Have, we have this bald guy talking psychically to the entire freaking world. <laughs> we have, you know, the, they have the world over a barrel economically with these drugs. Mm-hmm. They've taken over a new planet. I you know, just there's the going to be some hate and there's going to be some fear. I think just the subversion of it really gets me here because the X-Men don't seem to like understand the difference. It's like fear and hate used to be analogous to, towards like racism and bigotry. And it's like, you're different, so we hate you. Now, it's different. It's like, you threaten we us. have all of this power. We have, we, we've, we're flaunting this power. You know, we have the bald guy who talks to the entire planet telling you, hey, stay in line. You know, we, we have stuff that you need. We're going to, we're in control now. You can't hate us or fear us anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's well, like, they've conquered death. And, and then Cyclops is just like, it's always fear and hate. It's like, well, well no shit. <laughs> Look yeah, at what's I, going on in the world. I, I agree it's different, but I think it's interesting that... I can see people who would be stuck in that old mindset, even though they're on top now, mm. they still consider themselves, you know, the poor picked on underdog. I mean, I've, I, we've I, all I, seen I, that in real life. Yeah. So it makes sense sure, to me sure. that they would still do that. Sure. I, I can follow that. I can follow that. Now, speaking of their big island, you want to take us there next? Yeah. So our next scene, we're taken to Krakoa, where we're told very specifically population 200,000. So that's, yeah, that that's a lot of said. Yeah, that was first said in X-Men plus Fantastic Four number two. That was Reed Richards' estimate okay. of how many mutants there were. And that was um, co-signed in Immortal X-Men number one uh, during the info pages at the end there. There, were, uh, there was a listing of the, of the population there, and it, and it was you know, 200,000, which uh, it, it's so weird. The timeline here post Oxpox is so nebulous and so ambiguous. Like, 
Sometimes we hear it's like a month and a half. Sometimes we hear that Legion's been hanging out on Mars for like six months. And, you know, right. it's been like a year and change since this happened or, or the, the, the five have been like good soldiers for two years. It's like, you don't know how long it's been. Yeah, I mean, so if it's been two years. And the timeline is is definitely sketchy. So it doesn't. Sure. What, we we couldn't actually line things up and say this happened. Oh then no, then. certainly it, not. That'd be a but, uh, fool's errand. But this just tells you that uh, the five ain't really cranking out bodies, <laughs> if, uh, or cranking out living well, bodies. If many, we're still at two hundred, how many how many uh, how many eggs can one uh, one gold ball lay? You know, that's true. I, I don't know what their I daily I, output. I'm curious. I wonder what the, the the limiting factor, the bottleneck, is in their resurrection system, whether they're yeah. actually pumping them out as quickly as possible, or if they're going slow so the reintegration can be smoother, if they think too many all at once would be destabilizing. That's that's an interesting idea. Possibly. I mean, and plus we have, I'm sure we it. have, you know, more mutants keep arriving, either brought up, you know, through the gates or sure. rescued by the marauders. Or being dropped off at the uh, the Bowery Orphanage. Right. By uh, parents who no longer want growth. <laughs> But so well, yeah, that's, that's for Koa, and we have, yeah. here we have Destiny and Raven and uh, Nightcrawler Michael. hanging out, and Destiny, you've been saying, because she told us early on, or not early on, but a little bit earlier, that there is going to be a war. A war is coming, but yeah. she couldn't see the outline of it, except it's going to be a war. At least she didn't say anything. Who knows with Destiny how much is her actual hazy vision of the future how much is her just being a trickster yeah Yeah, we've seen that in in immortal where like that's one of the things that gillen's done like really really well is handling destiny here because we don't know we don't know if she is just like you said holding things close to the vest or if she really isn't aware here one of the you know main points of the entire hoxpox era is that you know, we had Mora who could die and come back and remember everything, and it and she could change things. You know, she could do go about life another way, which opens up all these strange possibilities for Destiny. Because how do you keep track of all these different possibilities? Right. I think it's a question that's never really been raised with the the whole precog concept in the X Men universe, where it's like we had Destiny's diaries, which was supposed to be like the you know etched in stone. This is the future. And now we're, get, we're starting to figure out it's like, it's a little bit wobbly. It's not quite as set in stone as we originally thought it was. And you can think about like, what is the benefit of precognition at this point? I, I, is she any more precognitive than we are? Hmm. It's like, we, we know that there's, you know, I can get in my car today and I can make a left or I can make a right, you know, and, and whatever can happen. An elephant can fall out of the sky. I might picture that. Or, you know, uh, my, I might run out of gas. I might blow a tire. You just don't know all these possibilities here. It's the same thing that Destiny has. She sees all this stuff, but how much stock can you put into any of it at this point? The timeline's been destroyed, so it's a it's an interesting concept, and, and I, I really dig the way they're approaching it. She does have suddenly now she realizes or she foresees or it's happening already probably that the Eternals are, are part the of enemy, it. right? She yeah. it's not Orcas, it's not some sort of machine thing going on. At least not yet. It's the Eternals specifically. So she says, the Eternals mm-hmm. will try to kill us all. But she has the prophecy, and is that actually going to help the X-Men, the mutants, very much? Not not really. Not yet. <laughs> they're they're going to do their best. So they run off. Uh, Raven and Destiny are going to go to the Quiet Council. Mm-hmm. And Nightcrawler, looking oddly sexy, <clears throat> like he's in a like a shampoo commercial there. That's an, that's an unusual version of uh, him being it drawn, is, leaping. Ballet like through the gate, he says. <laughs> so he's going to go to, to to Mars, Arako, and and tell them. And he says, "This was weird to me." On it, any chance to use the gates? Really, has it been established 
that Nightcrawler loves using. It's like a fetish gates. for the gate. Yeah, very strange. Maybe it's like, oh, maybe I don't have to. I don't have to bamf this time. Thank goodness. <laughs> it sure. smells so bad. That was I, just I, a, I a really weird throwaway line for him. But it was. That's, I'll accept that. I, I like it. It was. So I, I do love how he arrives and the people he wants to talk to were just sitting there outside a gate. They're, they're, it's like it's like a role playing game. They're just like, "Hey, we're here. We're waiting for you. What do you got to say?" Yeah, who knows how many gates they have and what connects <laughs> to what? And yeah, but he, he right. I mean, I'm glad we don't spend time no, and pages no, hunt, on finding them. them. So I'll I'll take the yeah. coincidence. Yeah, sure, let's let's go through Otherworld and the Jackdaw Village before we find them. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> one, oh, one don't even say Otherworld. That that's banned from this podcast. <laughs> yes. One thing about this year is um. We get the uh, the comparison here. We got Krakoa, 200,000. We got Morocco, 1 million mutants, which that sounds like a lot of mutants, but, it it's, but it's not what we were originally told. Oh, what? We were originally told okay. there were about 20 times as many mutants on Morocco as there were in Krakoa. Okay. So, so that would have been like five 4 times. million. Yeah, that would have been 4 million uh, mutants there. That was, I think Doug Ramsey said that around uh, X of Swords, X of Tens. And, uh, uh, maybe maybe we're just getting it down to rounder numbers. Uh, yeah, or, Power, powers of ten, if you will. Maybe yeah, or maybe they did. A, maybe they actually had a census. You know, they're like, oh, there's got to be a hundred billion of them out there. Oh no, we did a census. Only one million. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, we didn't, none of them went back to uh, um, back through the gates at a month, did they? No, no, I mean, I you could. So. Some threatened to because they were bored, but I don't think they actually did. That was okay. before we went to Mars. So we're here yeah, on Mars slash Araco, which says there's a, a population of a million here. And we find Magneto and Storm and, and Cable. Cable, old man Cable, of course, yeah. who is psychically taking his gun apart and putting it back together because, you know, that's, that's what, what he does. does. Not? That is what he does. It is a, it is a modest gun, though. It's not, a, uh, it's not the old Mark 69 <laughs> Liefeldian uh, firearm. So. Yep. So uh, Nightcrawler gives the bad news. says, hey, it's, it's the Eternals. And we got to let the quiet, the quiet council is going to meet the great ring of Racco needs to know. And, and storm says, yeah, so I guess I got to be in both places because Double duty. she is on both of these councils, which mm-hmm. is kind of, interesting, which they see they're to- totally different planets, but also just, you know, two steps away through a gate. So why not? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Very, very short commute. Yep. And, now, and uh, this is a weird Olympians and Titans discussion here again, which was yeah, something is, that, uh, this is Magneto here in that panel, right? I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's basically like a, it's almost a rehash of the final panel or the final panels in House of X number one, where Magneto tells everyone that they are the new gods, basically. Right. Right. It's kind of a callback to that. Yeah. So the Olympia, so back in uh, Greek mythology, the mm-hmm. Titans were an, like an earlier generation of gods. And, and the Olympians then, replaced them. Right. And that was like yeah. Saturn, I think, was, you know, Saturn and Uranus, probably were the ones mm-hmm. that replaced those titans. And the idea is that there's almost generations of who are the gods now. So Magneto yeah. is drawing that analogy and says, okay, well, the Eternals were around forever, and we're kind of taking over their spot, so it makes sense they would resist that. Yeah, so the Eternals, they're, they're the, the last volume of Eternals pretty much set that their job was done. Their, they were basically redundancies, right? Right. I mean, they, they were supposed to, they had the three tenets they had to follow, and it's like, Oh well, <laughs> it's our job's done, but we got to keep like play acting here. We got to keep this like weird rivalry with the deviants going. For what reason? I don't know. It's, everything's you know your your job's done, but you still got to do the thing. And here the mutants are they are more 
I don't know, relevant or just the next step, I guess. Yeah. And this interestingly validates Druig a bit because Mm -hmm. Druig is kind of saying, hey, these mutants are getting out of hand. They're kind of getting a little big for the britches. Yeah. Getting excessive. Right. We've been, we've been thinking that, oh, he's just playing it up for his own political power, but he's not entirely wrong. There is certainly no, no, a, no. some reality that he's hanging on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Next, we're off to Avengers Mountain, which is, of course, a giant dead celestial up there in the Arctic. And mm-hmm. here they have Cersei all sexually tied up to a chair. Uh, yeah, comes- I mean, where, where did, which, which magazine do you think this was traced out of? <laughs> I don't, I don't see she, Greg Land in the, uh, no the credits. Land. No, yeah. no, no Greg Land. But I mean, it is like... Hubba hubba, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like her legs are all akimbo. It's very, very strange. Her like, mm-hmm. knees knocked together. Yeah, she's modeling something for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could be doing... I mean, that's not a that's a thing Cersei could be doing on purpose too. Could, it's true. Know. That is true. She might, she might distract walls. Tony a little bit. I'll yeah. take that. He does have... Tony has some unfortunate dialogue here. Uh, <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> this this has been mentioned a, a little bit online and yeah he's it's just somebody some i'm not going to read it out loud an editor should have gone through and said yeah can we can we just fix this a little bit it's a little bit little bit more suggestive than it needs to be but mm-hmm. the idea is that they've taken her to some place inside avengers Mountain that's supposed to be uh preventing her from doing any of her psychic hoodoo Using on her, her. Yeah, but she of- says you know i'm not that great as a psychic but She's she's a matter manipulator, what she does. So I thought she was going to say I could just you know melt my way out of these chains, but she says I could just I could just give you a stroke, thicken thicken your yeah. blood a little bit. You know you probably don't have the greatest diet anyway. No one would even you know be suspicious. Of course, Tony Stark had too many stakes. You, and you don't even have a human heart, so yeah, right. <laughs> All sorts of things could go wrong. So she said, you know, cut the crap, Tony. What's going on? So he's still trying to be, you know, tough guy, I'm in charge. There's a kind of funny joke about, she says, okay, show me your PowerPoint. And he says, well, Mm -hmm. it's not PowerPoint, my own bespoke system that uses artificial intelligence, because of course he would. He's Tony Mm -hmm. Stark, they gave me a chuckle. And yeah, the thing is, they're posturing back and forth to each other. Tony reminds her the whole, hey, you didn't even tell us about friggin' Thanos being back. And she said, well, you know, we took care of it, kind of, sort of. He had the best of intentions. Right. So they're going nowhere, and then Captain America walks in yeah. and reminds us all, hey, Cersei was an adventure, which I mean, yes, she was. I look back at this. She was an adventure for a, a good long time back a in the 90s. A good stretch during uh, like the Bob Harris era where the Avengers all wore bomber jackets. And, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I th- I, the first time I actually saw Cersei was on one of the Marvel trading cards, uh, Series 3. So she was listed as an Avenger. And so- you know, those first things you learn about like any particular hobby or fandom, it's like, that's kind of what's in stone here. So Cersei was always an Avenger to me, even though uh, relatively, she was relatively briefly, you know, if we yeah. take the grand scheme of it. But uh, it looks like she was in Avengers volume one from like 308 mm-hmm. to like 375. So that's quite a stretch. It was, and it was. It was uh, later in the 90s. Second, like that. Yeah. And then later in the 90s under Kurt Busiak in volume three, I think she was on them again. So yeah, she's. She's been an yeah, Avenger very, more than more than a lot of people. Yeah, very early on in the Busick run, um, th- this was before everybody was an Avenger. So you could actually do a story where every Avenger shows up and it's not like ridiculous. So the first like three issue arc of the Busick Perez run um, post Heroes Return had every single Avenger show up, you know, so wow. it was like it was like an old home week because, you know, finally the Avengers were back from, you know, the Liefeld <laughs> Jim Lee averse. 
and uh, we could actually hit the ground running again with more traditional uh, superhero stories. So uh, Cersei did show up there, just like everybody did. Uh, D-Man showed up. Uh, the Hulk showed up on on film. This is back before the Hulk was like just like, oh, he's in the movie, so let's make him an Avenger anyway. This is when you know, Hulk hated everybody. And so him showing up in an Avengers comic, even for one panel, was like, oh, wow, it's cool. It's a Hulk, which, you know, that just doesn't happen anymore. But um, yeah, so Cersei Cap, Cap comes in and he's going to he's more of the, the good cop to Tony's bad cop here. Says, you know, mm-hmm. we have to show some, some trust, some respect. And he tells her the Eternals are going to war. Tell us what you know. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, there's Eternals and then there's Eternals. And she <laughs> mentions, wait, hang on. You're serious with actual war? What is Druig up to? What do you know? And Tony points out, hey, there's been this giant, eternal-ish looking energy spike out there in the Pacific Ocean, mm-hmm. as if someone was testing something. Now, I read this as the abortive, let's just blow up Krakoa thing that Druig tried to do back in 100%, the previous issue. 100%. I think so. Yeah. I think Which you're is surprising right. that Tony doesn't say it was right under Krakoa. That's weird. Yeah, uh, maybe he's keeping it nebulous. Maybe he's trying to give get her to give more information or just see okay. if she knows. It, it, I mean, it's hard to really judge when you have Iron Man under a mask to see if like he's like kind of goading. But uh, oh, although I just noticed now, he does does say a huge spike in the Pacific Ocean. But then it sure looks like what we're being shown is the Atlantic Ocean. But maybe he's looking at the other side of the globe. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's 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 again uh, not facing him. So yeah, but okay. it's also not showing Cersei. <laughs> okay, I, I just noticed. Hey, that that looks familiar. That's my coast. Yeah. That's not the Pacific it's the Caribbean. Ocean. Caribbean. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. I, I think you're 100 percent right. It's got to be a. Uh, it's got to be a reference to the, hey, let's just blow up Krakoa, and oh, maybe not. Yeah. The, the other possibility is that it's, it's Druig testing out the, uh, the giant killer death machines we're going to see in you know 15 pages or so. Sure. Very possible. Very possible. So, uh, seriously, just kind of tells me, okay, okay, there's Eternals, but I, she says, I'm not the Eternal you need to worry about. And that's where we drop this scene. Yeah, because because what uh, in the uh, in the the past volume, Cersei um, Cersei and company left. Like, because she yes. says that the Eternals aren't a team necessarily; they're a society, which is pretty cool. Because you know they are they are a, a sort of kind of a race, you know, much um, like the mutants are now. Yeah. Much like the mutants, absolutely. So she and like Icarus and a few of the others, Sprite maybe they left that you know the Eternal Society. When they came to the realization that all of each of their resurrections cost a human life, right? Correct. Okay. And those okay. are what was in the prelude issue when they broke out all the different Eternals and kind of where they were and who they were loyal to, which was a cool graphic. Mm-hmm. Those were listed as the Lemurian mission. Gotcha. So it was like the mission to this 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 town of Lemuria where the Deviants live. Where the Deviants are. Yes. Yeah. We now, that artist or whatever back in the uh, volume. Yep. So Fire now Wonder. we head to our next scene. We're on Olympia. And I think we're supposed to be inside the Unimind here. I think you're what right. What do you think of that? It's, I, think I guess right. every artist draws this a little differently, but it's Druig. It looks kind of <laughs> like the, a little bit like the, the Star Wars Galactic, you know, Senate Council. kind of thing. He's, yeah. he's, he's standing on a, a floating circle. He's addressing these hologram looking people. And he's yeah. just kind of laying out the case to his fellow Eternals that the mutants our yeah, deviants, they're yeah. under our control, they're part of our job to take care of, they're on Mars now, 
They've gone excessive. We have to correct it. It's part of what we need to do. And I'm going to ask, of course, I'm going to ask the approval of the Unimind, because, you know, I'm a servant of the Eternals, and he wants uh, permission to bring fire and death to those whom it's our eternal duty to correct. Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty unanimous, at least among the people we see. All here. thumbs ups. You know? I, th- yeah, I think this is like one of those things that we're not supposed to, this is like Cthulhuian, where it's like you can't really, there's no physical form for this. So I think this is like the best approximation of giving us a physical like scene to watch. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very well done here. And like you said, the from the side of the council we see, it's a unanimous here. Thumbs up all around. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that not all the Eternals necessarily take part in this Unimind. I don't know if they need a certain quorum to make it count, or we don't know what groups are in it. I'm certainly the Lemurian mission uh, Eternals are not involved, Probably but not. whoever Druig is letting in here, whoever is, is part of this, they're on board. Mm-hmm. Now we pop over to, it uh, must be a little bit later because we see Druig in the exclusion area chatting with his grandpa. Yes. And this is Oranos. And, and last week when I was talking with Ruben, I did speculate when we saw this kind of poster-type splash page that, hey, isn't that Oranos in the background? And wouldn't it be kind of cool to see him involved here? And and Ruben, who I'd already read ahead, was very good about <laughs> buttoning his lip and, and not letting it slip. And oh, oh yeah, he's, he is going to be a big part of this. So that was fun. And <laughs> this is neat because we just saw Druig being, you know, I'm in charge. I'm all high and mighty. I'm in control of everything. But when he's in front of Oranos, he, he tries to bluff it out, but he <laughs> does a crap job of it, and Oranos sees right through him. Oh, it's yeah. really fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Oranos says, you are our equivalent of a human child wearing its parents' shoes. Like, oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's really no coming back from that. No, no, that, that's really, really cool. I like the way uh, Oranos is being handled here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from here we go to the Damocles Foundation. Are you familiar yeah, well, with the Damocles? No, but I oh, just do want to say that sure, Druig sure. does say that, hey, I'm going to let you out. He's still trying to one say, hour. I'm in charge. I'm letting you out for just one hour. Yes. And the machine will automatically return you right back to your exclusion. You get one hour. And Orono says, he mentions Mars specifically, and yeah. he says it's always easier to destroy than to create something, which, okay, that's, uh, that's pretty yeah, true. I can, I can see that. Sure, sure. And yeah, he I says, like you will see. between the windpipe. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> a human takes nine months to make another breathe. A human can crush a windpipe in seconds, which, yikes. <laughs> and you will see what Oranos the Undying can do with an hour. Now, he's the Undying because even back when he was put in exclusion for the whole, hey, let's commit omni-genocide and every other creature in the universe... Mm-hmm. They they couldn't kill him because they were worried that his failsafe would kick in, and if you kill me, the whole it's earth all dies. over. So it's he's, over. Uh, you know, we've talked about you know which of the mutants, which of the superheroes have died and come back. Oranos is very proud of never having died, never having to be reborn. Yes, and he says absolutely. you will see what I can do with an hour, which mm-hmm. is a pretty scary idea. So yes, now we're back at yeah. Damocles Foundation in Los Angeles, and no, I I haven't heard of this. I I did you know my my usual Google, mm-hmm. and it seemed like this was some sort of team up between who? Let's see, who was it supposed to be? This was in X Force. Uh, this was um, introduced during uh, John Francis Moore did X Force before uh, Counter X kicked in. Now Counter X was like the weird little pocket that they moved X Force, X Man, and Generation X into when uh, Chris Claremont came back to the books in two thousand or so. 
It was kind of making them a little bit darker, a little bit edgier. But before that, it was pretty much straightforward superheroics here. X-Force had really lost its edge. Um, I mean, and of course, I'm saying edge as it pertains to comic books, which isn't to say it's all that sharp an edge. But uh, it definitely had an edge compared to the other X-Books. But here, it was more straightforward superheroics. It was shifting, not too hard, but it was it was exploring outside of the X-Men concepts. Okay. It was going into the wider Marvel Universe sort of stuff here. And Damocles was a foundation. It was the it was some Eternals, it was some Deviants, and some humans in like a corporate environment where they were trying to like somehow put their put everything together and make this unstoppable race of superhumans. Huh. Which in the current continuity is kind of what the job of Eternals and Deviants and humans is supposed to have been. Yeah. Which is an odd little resonance with the past. Well, that's kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, for sure. But it seems now, at least, that the Damocles Foundation is just kind of Druig's front Druig. organization yeah. <laughs> with humanity in the human world. Yeah. That's when he wears a suit. When he, when he wears a suit, that's where he goes. And we see he's talking to Moira McTaggart here. Mm-hmm. Which but she can't go away. No. Which is interesting. And, and, uh, and Ruben brought this up in the, uh, the Weird Science Slack chat that... Mm. Wonder how Moira made contact with Druig, right? We could see how she would okay. go to Orcus. She knows all about Orcus. She's part of Orcus. Yeah. She's part of Orcus. But I mean, even when she wasn't, you could see how, you know, she is pro anybody who's anti-mutant now, right? Any any enemy of the mutants, she's the at least going to, you know, yeah. buddy up with them. But I wonder how you actually, I, I guess it's through the Damocles Foundation that you know, send an email. An or, yeah. yeah. And uh, so he's she's there in his office. He's got some pretty good looking bagels there for the most part. I like that. Although there is a, like a mm-hmm. pink one. I don't know if that was a colorist that a weird thing or if there's a blueberry bagel. That's kind Could of nonsense. Be. Yeah. No, no. Where's the poppy at? Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. So this combination is interesting because we did see this in, oh, I guess it was the Hellfire Gala. We saw them together, right? Yes. Yes. That's where they first met, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least as far as we know. Yeah. And he a- asks her, well, why would you be anti-mutant? What is your motivation here? And I think that's an interesting question too, because I think Moira's motivation is kind of slippery depending on who's writing her these days. So what do, yeah. what do you make of Moira's intentions here? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, I'm, I, I would like Moira to kind of go on the shelf for a little while, but um, I, I do like how, like, you, you look at it in her mind here and she really has put herself in the role of the victim and uh like her her retelling of events is a little bit different than what actually happened oh Um, because right here she's trying to like kind of sell her services to druid right and she's saying she's basically putting herself kind of in the victim role but also in the driver's seat and like you know f the mutants you know I, i don't i don't you know i'm not with them anymore even though like she was basically dragged out of there crying that she was, you know, her powers were taken and she was exiled and thrown through and done. The retelling here is very interesting. And the thing with more is I just don't know what, what is our end game here? Is there an end game? Um, it just seems like, uh, we're really just throwing stuff at the wall with her. I, I think we need to put her away for a minute. Well, but that's just maybe me. again, I'm going to try to be a little more glass half full. Maybe that's what this event will do. Maybe this, Fingers crossed. maybe this axe event will wrap up what Moira is trying to do, whether she's partially successful, completely unsuccessful. Maybe it'll be something to take her off the board for a while, but at least for right now, she's, she's working in- with Druig and trying to make herself sound 
really important that she has the information yeah. that he needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's going to, this is interesting because she's going to be sitting there in the office and kind of watching along with Druig as his big plan kicks in for this day. Yeah. So they're almost like a, you know, a, a two-man booth, like we're watching baseball or football. We've got our play-by-play and our color commentary, and uh, they're going to be kind of giving us their reactions. But now we look over at the Quiet Council, which they remind us is Krakoa's ruling body, more or less. And, and we do get egg balls, which is, uh, which is something. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do see- Green uh, calls egg gold balls. So. Yeah. Which, I mean, of course, see, well, that'd be kind of a funny thing. If you had a person who- like if you run into an old friend who used to have an embarrassing nickname, oh, yeah. you know, it's now 20, 30 years later, they're in front of their, any, their new so friends, yeah. maybe, yeah, in front of their fiance, their wife, yeah. whatever, their kids, you're going to yeah. embarrass them. So I'll, I'll go along with that. I, I would call him gold balls as well. And I still do on the show. He's always gold balls. So. <laughs> always be gold balls to me. Once, <laughs> once a gold ball, always a gold ball. Yes. Once twice, and this three is, times Yeah, this ball. is just reminding us that he exists because he's going to be important in a couple pages. For sure. And this is the Quiet Council saying, oh, Eternals, you know, what, what the hell is that all about? We don't know why they hate us. Why We know everybody else hates and fears us. We didn't think they were on the hate and fear list. And then uh, Exodus points out, hey, you know, Sinister is, is gone. This is yeah, awful what, is, what is that all about? Is that something that uh, that we don't know yet? Or is that something that uh, that is already known, but I just don't know it yet? Oh, yeah. we That was in the pre- prelude issue. Okay, she, okay. He, he disappeared in immortal x-men number okay. four i think it was gotcha. like gotcha. at the end there's a, a, a kind of a fun little scene that'll let you read on your own but basically you know it's we're in the quiet council because it's immortal x-men and that's what it's about sure and he's about to say something and then there's a flash of light and he's gone okay okay and so then at is, the okay and then in the i'm mean, not dawn of anything in eve of judgment, eve of judgment. the prelude issue <laughs> we saw that it was ajak and makari who had kidnapped him, him. Okay. right? Because they Got want it. his expertise in, in their let's make us a, ourselves a new god project. Perfect. 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 So the X-Men don't know this. Quiet Council don't, doesn't know this. I don't think most of the Eternals know this, but Just, we, we know this. We, He's gotcha. ca- last we saw, he was kind of frozen on ice in some sort of force field uh, with uh, Ajak and Makari. Very cool. Okay. So now we see as they're uh, you know starting their discussions, they've got no idea what's going on. They come under mental assault, significant, <laughs> and it's it's it, I, I make fun of the way it's written in the speech bubble. You know, it's got one of those kind of crinkly edge speech bubbles, so you know yeah. that Charles it's Xavier nasty. here is, is yeah. having a rough time, and everybody's freaking out. And I really like the way that just like you said with the Unimind, I think this is even better. The way artist Valerio Shidi. Mm-hmm. manages to put on pale in a really impressive way a psychic assault. Yeah. Because we see it looks like this huge kind of brain on the outside head hovering yeah. over the island. And then we see, you know, the uh, the response from the, the X-Men psychics, the mutant psychics going back. But yeah, this is some group of the Unimind, as we're told in a little bit of voiceover by... Uh, this must be Druig saying this. I'm yeah. guessing it's Druig, yeah. Druig talking about what's going on, what his plan is. So he thinks that, okay, it's the Quiet Council who's in charge, so we need to distract them first before we do anything else. We're starting a full frontal assault on Krakoa itself by the by the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And then they drop the new gods on the island. 
It, they do look very, very Jack Kirby, it's like a, don't it's they? All Orion, it's like five Orions being dropped onto the island here. It's very strange. Yeah, it looks like that that kind of Aztec-looking armor, and mm-hmm. it's described. We see a, you know, a little cutaway to Druig trying to play it really cool with a bagel there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he says, what, it's an attack flight outfitted with war armor from our earliest days. And yes. I don't know if we've ever seen Eternal War armor before. But that it would look like this makes perfect sense to me. We don't. We have no idea who these Eternals are, what group they're from. There, there's some minor Eternal. We know there's a hundred Eternals, so these are yeah. some characters whose job it is to answer to the Prime Eternal and you know f up what he tells them to f up. And he said, "Hey, go I f up Rakoa." I wonder if it's on purpose that they kind of do look like fourth world characters, since I mean, I feel like the Eternals were probably a fourth world concept before Kirby came back to Marvel. So I wonder. <laughs> They they do very much occupy the same part of my my brain. For sure. Like where they're in continuity, kind of, but they're not all, but the part of them just doesn't seem like it should jive, but they don't quite fit. Yeah, they don't quite fit. Yeah. But they don't play well. I think they look awesome. Oh, they do look cool. They They look look really awesome. I do like that they do have a very specific Kirby look. They don't look like, oh, some might say, you know, your, your generic kind of aliens, generic robots. These are very specific. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, they nice. feel they feel like they're very very Marvel characters, so it's it's very cool. Mm-hmm. So we very, see very the cool. physical fight start to happen. We see that the X Men, who are of course in the treehouse in New York City, hop through a gate to you know back to Krakoa. Yeah, go go back to Krakoa to help with the defense because the Quiet Council, and I think this leads back to what we've been seeing with Cyclops and Jean talking about. We need an alternative to. The Quiet Council. Mm-hmm. This is showing us that the X Men are independent and yeah. they are important, not just to the wider world, but to Krakoa specifically. So For this sure. is almost like For a sure. shifting of power on Krakoa itself, and I'm curious to see how much that plays up on panel. That's something I'm actually because you know the Marvel and the X books especially seem to have a fetish for reusing old X Men concepts, kind of doing the nostalgia bait thing. I mean, the first the first uh, arc in the ungodly bad Marauders volume right now is called Extinction Agenda. It has nothing to do with the old Extinction Agenda. It's just a, hey, you remember this, everybody? I have a feeling that we might be headed to another schism. Now, hmm. schism is what broke the X-Men in half back uh, Jason Aaron, uh, Jason Aaron's time. And actually, Kieran Gillen was a part of that as well. Okay. Where you had uh, Wolverine and Cyclops kind of have a uh, an impasse, you know, about putting putting young mutants in in danger which is very very stupid but uh you know that you had cyclops go off on his own and he had like the 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 extinction team i think they were called and then you had wolverine reopen the uh the xavier school called it the gene gray school was this I mean, when cyclops got more <laughs> extreme and the whole cyclops was right thing came out of or was that separate this is the lead up to that because that that was that. kind of uh because th- this led into avengers versus x-men which is where you know, Cyclops got that X, uh, the X visor, you know, okay. that, uh, the really, really ugly one. And, uh, that's when he was really, really revolutionary. But, um, I have a feeling that we're going to come to, maybe it'll be one when Gillen finishes the 12th issue of Immortal, uh, when we get to get into everybody's mind from the council. I think we're headed to another schism. I think we're going to have a quiet council versus the X-Men sort of thing in the not too distant future. Um, don't know if I'm looking forward to it. 
uh, if it ends the era, I'll be okay with it, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there is that that meta aspect where a lot of old-time X-Men fans have been saying, hey, where are the X-Men? We want X-Men mm-hmm. doing X-Men things, not this Krakoa nonsense. So to see the in-universe X-Men team reassert themselves, that's yeah, kind of interesting. Could be, could be satisfying, for sure. And, and for if sure. this is Kieran Gillen you know, planting some seeds well in advance and we see some nice long-form storytelling... Where things bubble along the background and then you know come to the forefront, I'm I'm on board for that for sure, for sure. Just let Dylan write it. Yep, we get some more color commentary from Moira here. Says you know the X Men are here. Sure, Rakoa has two hundred thousand mutants, which we were shown recently. We've established, and you know there's some you know hard ass mutants there like Wolverine, but most of them just he says whose average gift is analogous to mildly hallucinogenic body odor. Yeah. I don't know if that's what Moira would say, but it's kind of a fun little little, little analogy. The idea was, is that, yeah, most of the mutants there, sure, they're technically mutants. They have the X gene. They can use the gates, but yeah. they're not really They're not frontline. Yeah, they're not soldiers. I always thought it'd be fun to explore that sort of a thing where, like, one of, a character that I created when I was a teenager was uh, one that his entire body was covered in taste buds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, that's a really bad power. That's a really awful power, but it's still, you know, a mutant power. So I thought that'd be just the stupidest, silliest thing to explore. <laughs> Did you have a name for that character? Bud. Bud. Yeah. Bud. Gold Buds. No, no Bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the super taster. There you go. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that was uh, my, my idea. Says, hey, sure, you don't have to worry about these 200,000, you know, lamos. However, yeah. just a gate away... You've got these Iraqi who are, you know, they hard like to asses. Fight. Right. They we like know they've been at war for you know centuries and centuries. They they just, you know, they're they're looking for an excuse to, to kill some MFers, and you know, that's gonna be your problem. And Druid has says, his uh he's got his like Ozymandias at the end of Watchmen thing here. He's like, Oh yeah, I took care of that. <laughs> yeah. So he says, yeah, he first he says you call call them deviants, don't call them mutants, which fine. Yeah. But he says, yeah, it's kind of taken care of. So we pop yeah. back over to the Great Ring, where it's it's just like the uh, the scene we saw with the Quiet Council, where they're yeah. kind of trying to talk about things. We see, who's that? That's Cable pointing to a yeah. map, yeah. and uh, Magneto and Nightcrawler are there. And is some... Cable kind of like a captain, like a like a like a Cohen captain on Araco right now. Is that kind of his gimmick? Yeah, something. Like, I forget what his exact title is. It's happening in mm-hmm. the X Men Red, Red Book. I'm assuming, yeah, because so, he seems kind of like like how Bishop and Cyclops were early on. Where he's got like, some kind of official position like working, working for Storm. There, we don't see Storm either in the Quiet Council or here, which, which is Cohen. Yeah, it is. Which I mean, I, yeah. Hmm. Because that's something I want to address a little bit later on, too. So we'll, we'll get there, though. Yep. So uh, we have Nightcrawler. Uh, well, there's a, just big old blue lights, and people he, are upset. He gots out of there. Yeah. Mein Gott, get out. Get out. <laughs> Bamf. And uh, then we see Druig saying, you know, for starters, there'll be a lot less than a million by now. Mm-hmm. So he's got some sort of a, a blitzkrieg. He doesn't want to, you know, declare war and let the mutants you know, gear up for this. He wants to take things out and knock down yeah. their strength as soon as possible. For sure. For sure. Real Pearl Harbor job, as they'd say in, uh, in pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to Krakoa. We see the fight. We see Wolverine fighting some weird pointy-headed Eternal in armor. And we see, oh, gold balls, we hardly knew ye. 
He looks, yeah. he's, he's, he's bloody, his eyes are open and vacant. Yep. And his carotid's been cut. Yeah, so Wolverine smells something with his super sniffer, and he's mm-hmm. not in time, but he does see Goldballs' dead body, and I guess that's Hope unconscious, but not actually dead. Is that what we think is going on here? That's what I think. So I think, uh, I think she was a victim of the psychic assault, and I think uh, our friend Jack and Knives here was just about to, to you know, land that killing slice when Wolverine shows up. Yes, we see him all transparent and hidden the way he goes, but we see some blood on his knife, which presumably that's uh, Goldballs' you know, last couple of heartbeats there. Now, I would have loved if Wolverine got there and said, Solemn? Because <laughs> Jack of Knives looks a lot like Solemn from Exit Tens. I could see that, but luckily <laughs> Jack of Knives is, is not uh, made of adamantium skin or whatever nonsense Solemn going on. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a little back and forth. How did you know it was me? Well, I didn't smell you. I smelled eggs blood, which presumably smells like hydrogen disulfide. Uh, <laughs> and then they have their, their own fight, which Jack of Knives throws a whole bunch of, maybe you could call that, maybe even, there may be X of them. There could be X of knives <laughs> being thrown right through Wolverine's body and bursting into flame. Looks yeah. pretty awesome. But Jack of Knives, cool. he's a stealth guy. He doesn't want to go toe to toe. He just says, throw some knives, and then he beams the invisible and slide away. Yep. So Hope is is saved here. Yeah. Yeah. She is and spared. So Wolverine, you know, figures out that, hey, they're after the five. They know about the five. They secure the five. And we see that the tide turns pretty quickly. Once the X-Men are there and Jack of Knives is defeated and they know the plan, the Eternals kind of bug off pretty pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our man, uh, Valerio Shidi here, uh, really likes to draw freckles. He, he's pretty good at freckles here. A lot of people ignore the freckles, but uh, we've got a lot of freckle faces here. And it's, 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 yep. uh, as an Irishman Not, myself, it's Nothing uh, wrong it's with refreshing. that, you know? I can, refreshing. I can see that. Yeah. So Moira, again, says, hey, Druig, you had your chance. You blew it. You know, it's, well, you, you come at the king, you better, you better kill him, kind of a thing. Yeah. And Druig is definitely playing up. Everything's fine. This is going just according to plan. Patience, very Lex Luthor here. Very Lex Luthor here. Yeah, I guess I guess he is. He's, yeah. It's not as if my plans only consisted of this afternoon, where I think secretly in his head we've got to be thinking, yeah, he's kind of disappointed with how this went. He was hopeful. Of course, he wants to, a one day wipe coup. Him out. He, sure. Right, he wanted to blow them all up in uh, the eve in, the in one day food, before yeah. it was drinks. <clears throat> no, so this is uh, this is an interesting uh, gimmick here. Uh, I do like as much as, as tired as I am of Moira here. I do like these conversations that they're having. Um, you know, and from here we uh, we do the thing that uh, has kind of taken all the wind out of the the sails of uh, cliffhangers and stuff. People come back to life right away. They've yeah, been dead a page and a half, and they're gold back. Balls pop right out of a gold ball slash egg come yeah. out of an egg. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, says, oh, look, he, he mentions his Deus Ex gold ball. Right? Sure. It's like, oh, I, a good thing I had those made already. Well, I mean, sure. we, we've known they have a bunch of these lying around. Like, even at oh, way, way back at the beginning of X of Swords, uh, they had this they weird had plot point. Because they had to destroy they, them. Right. Yeah. We, we had to say, oh, there was a, a weird resurrection with Rock Slide. Yeah. Maybe it's the eggs. Let's just not think about it and just destroy all the eggs. So, so we have no takes a little bit of the uh, It takes a little bit of the uh, fear and, and, you know, mm-hmm. the tension out of the, out of the scene. Which, but, uh, you know... I'm okay at just writing this office saying, this is what Druig knows. He knows about the five, 
you know, it, it was I, a scare. It was a, it was a, it was a statement. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. And you and I and the rest of the readers remember way back there was some data page that talked about how the the mutants have backups for all the fun, of right? Course, they talk about, of course. you know, this person could fail for that person. This tempo, person could fail legion. There. Yeah, there, there was a, a I think, a, shit, who else was in there? There were, there were a bunch that were listed. I, I think like, a, what is it? Sync was in there, Jamie Braddock. Sure. Um, there were a lot of substitute members of the five that were- So uh, we know that, but it's certainly possible that Druig doesn't know that. So for I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Plus, even if- even if they do have backups, if you kill, if you're going to be killing a bunch of mutants, it makes sense to concentrate on the ones you know are really important are to the whole resurrection thing. So even yeah. if it's not a perfect, hey, take out these five, they're dead, it, it's still a, a point you'd concentrate it's on. A message. It's a message. So we see sure. gold balls come back. We see Hope get all concerned about, because uh, Nightcrawler bamps back here, and then he's all, he's, he's barely speaking English here. Yeah. Uh, we we need them. Barely made the last gate before it went. Bring them back. Arako needs leadership. And then we get some sort of a, a jump in time. We don't need to see the in-between part. That's fine. And we yeah. see Cable brought back. And he's awful upset because we don't know when his last backup was, but certainly he doesn't remember he has whatever just happened. happened. Yeah. He does not know at all. So that, that's pretty cool. He asks what happened, and then we turn the page and, and we see what happened. Aranos happened. He so did. he's there on Mars. He's holding. He's he's counting down his final seconds of freedom. He's holding Cable's skull, which I was going to ask. Really is, that, cool. is that who that is? That's Cable. It's got to be because half the face is kind of is kind of that that circuitry up, yeah, circuitry looking thing. It's really pretty neat there. And we see Magneto's helmets there. Um, I think Abigail Brand's glasses are here. Yeah, sunglasses hanging out. Yeah. And then we zoom out a little bit as we see, you know, a. Uh, a hexagon-shaped beaming out effect, which I think that's kind of an that's been a a design key that goes with the Eternals. It's very hexagonal, mm-hmm. which is a oh, nice sure. little trick. It's really and really we cool. zoom way out and we see, oh boy, he's messed up Mars. Something fierce. There are ribs everywhere. Bones, <laughs> yeah, giant ribs everywhere. What all those are from? Brontosaurus burgers. Yeah, it, look, it's, it reminds me of like the beginning of the Flintstones, where they yeah. put the giant rack of ribs and the car tips over the side. And there's this. It looks like a almost like a stick figure of a person traced out on the ground in you know giant scale. Any idea what that is? Are we supposed to to recognize that shape? You know, I don't know. It, it, it's you, you're right though. I didn't even notice that the first time through. I hmm. the size yeah, of I like a, a building. It's huge. Yeah, it's it's clearly been drawn in there. I don't know what we're supposed to take from it, but we do see there's just lots and lots of dead. Druig said there's going to be rather less than a million people left on Arako. Yeah. We don't know the scale of this, except it's Not big, yet. it's violent, there's a lot of dead mutants here. And be, we know that- a few less than a million, for sure. For sure. And I'm not sure if you saw this part in mm-hmm. X-Men Red, but Magneto and Storm, to they, prove- They, 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 uh, they forsook their uh, immortality, right? Yes, they did. Because the Arako, you know, they're not afraid of death. Yeah, you know, you know, one life is enough. Where you know, what courage? What can courage mean if you know, no matter what, you're going to pop out of an egg five minutes later? For sure. So to kind of prove their bona fides there on Arako, both Magneto and Storm said, "Okay, we're you know, exclude you know, include us out of that whole resurrection thing." Yeah. And I think Magneto said he wanted his backup erased, and whether 
I don't think Charles would actually do that. Oh, right. No. He's going to keep no. a backup of everybody. Yeah. Mr. Sinister has got a backup of everybody, everybody. Oh, Lordy. He's got so, several backups. Yeah, different. different cle- clearly, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to say, okay, Magneto is gone forever from the X-Men now. It's just a matter of how quickly and in what fashion they bring him back and how pissed off is he about the whole idea. For sure. And we, and we don't see any remains of Storm here. We don't not see them either, but uh, I kind of wonder, because one of the things that was made very, very apparent to us during Exoswords was that Storm has never died. Yeah, Storm has always, she has not passed, she had that dance with death during the dinner party scene before the, uh, you know, before the Exotens tournament started or whatever. And the whole thing there was like, you've never tasted death. So I really, really hope that her first actual death didn't happen off panel. I ex- I expect she didn't die because again she, I, I think if she, she did, was, it would have been yeah. made a point would have made of it. She was conspicuous. She was conspicuous with her absence here. Yes, so and she was with this issue. We saw her way back at the beginning. Hopefully she was in the other place. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, I'm thinking even like Magneto hasn't really died. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's died recently. He was killed uh, during Inferno, of course. But I mean, that was kind of a waste too. But I don't know. It's it's interesting that you you take him out off panel. Just bizarre, but uh, off panel. But you know, we see his his helmet, which is very distinctive. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. For so sure, now we go sure. back to the exclusion. We kind of follow back with Ornos as he's beamed back. back into prison. With his, and, with his hexagon. Yeah. There's uh, yeah, his hexagon little uh, portally deals there. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. And so Druig is hanging there in the the just visiting section. Trying to look <laughs> casual, trying and completely failing to look casual. He's got a cup of coffee. We, I think it's been set up in previous issues. Like, yeah, he likes to go to coffee shops and things. So he's, he's leaning against the wall. It's, it's very studied. You can tell he thought about, well, how much coffee should still be in here? Should I should look like I've been here a while? What looks the coolest? And he looks like a complete dork. dork. He does. He does. He's and. It's only him and Oranos, and he's not going to fool Oranos, but he's still, it's what he's got to do. He's trying to look cool. It's neat it's because Druig is, by his nature, a second banana, right? He's a grand oh, yeah. vizier. He's, he's, he's not the guy. emperor. Yeah. He's the guy on the side controlling things, and he's found himself in the prime eternal position, which is not where he belongs, and he knows it, no. but he's yeah. got to act like he's been there it before. Until he makes it. Yep. Right. Which is a, a fun uh, position to see him in. And so yeah, he, he said that the gate is destroyed. The, 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 that was part of the of the deal here is that Ernos destroys the gates to Earth. Yes, which, which is like such like a side thing, but at the same time, like, well, yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, however many are left, it's going to be much harder sure. for them to you know to come over health now. And I yeah. guess the machine teleportation extends all the way to Mars. That's kind I of surprising. Suppose. Because I think of the machine as being all throughout Earth, right? All these threads like a fungus throughout Earth, but... Well, that's part... That goes into my theory about um, the voice we heard in the beginning. Um, Not to throw the cart before the horse here. I I don't... This could be a totally ridiculous, stupid, wrongheaded theory, but... That's what we're here for. Hit us. It's true. Uh, The dialogue was in red. We've got a machine. The machine is Earth. Ah. Could there be a Mars machine? Huh. Sure. There's the life there planet, now. The blue planet, the red planet. That, that now that there's together. life there, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here yet, but now that there's life there, it's now there. Could the Celestials have set something up way back Possibly. when to kick in? If okay. and when there's sustainable life there. If and when it became something that needed to be protected, uh, or at least monitored. I, I don't know. It might be a silly theory, but uh, it's, it's a theory. 
I like it. I like it. I don't know yeah. if it's true, but I like it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we have a little debrief here. Uh, Druig trying to look cool. Oranos figuring out really quickly that, yeah, your other plan at Krakoa wasn't entirely successful. And he says, you're going to have to let me out again. And yeah. Druig says, no, it's not that Absolutely bad. Not. Yeah. not yet. Which I think is more than Druig wanted to say there. I think he just oh, wanted yeah. to say no. No, but he, he couldn't stop himself. But it's, he knows you know, Oranos is right. He knows he's right. Once you let Oranos out, I don't think that's a thing you could do just once, right? Once you break that seal. First time's the hardest. Right. You know, it's like, it's like anything where it's like the first time you actually have to think about it. The second time you're like, well, I've already done it. So, uh, ah, what the hell? This idea was unthinkable. Let Oranos out, the omni-genocide, the worst eternal ever, the undying. But once you do it, and it certainly was the most effective part of this plan. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's your, that's what worked. So of course he's going to do it again. And he says, nope, nope, not going to do it. He says, I have your armory, which is, I guess your armory, there's like some sort of a password basically is what I think of it as, you know, the things that, that Orono set up back in his omni-genocidal days, he gave Mm -hmm. the password to Druig and Druig can make use of them. He says, I have your armory so the hex can be deployed. Yeah. Which again, we've seen all these hexagons talk about the hex. We've seen the hex listed in the, you know, the roll call of the hundred eternals we see at the beginning of some some issues and in some data pages, but we haven't seen the hex. They've always been listed as classified. Mm-hmm. So we have the hex. And I, Orno I, says, let me out, boy. It will save time. I promise to try to spare hemisphere. I, I just love how, like, Ornos isn't even being depicted as a villain here. He's just a force of nature. It's like yes. he just does what he, it's like, if, if you've read The Trial of Galactus, uh, it was uh, John Byrne Fantastic Four. No, I've Very, read the, uh, the original actually, Galactus trilogy, but okay. I haven't read the John Byrne Galactus. Okay, so uh, during the Byrne run here, we had the trial of Galactus, where Galactus was put on trial. You know, go figure. And uh, Reed Richards was put on trial for not having taken Galactus out. You know, it's like, you've let this force of nature just do, eat planets. And it came down to, uh, you know, the you know the final outcome was like, Galactus isn't doing anything besides what Galactus is supposed to do. So it's like, can we really punish someone for just being what they are? And I'm getting those kind of vibes here from Uranus here. It's like, is he a villain or is this just what he does? He doesn't seem to like, it's not like he's like really relishing it so much. He's just like, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't feel bad about it either. It's almost like this his, is what he, does. he still has the same plan he had 600,000 years ago. There's just yeah. been a brief, there's been a hiccup for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, but, it's been a delay. You know, the, the plan is still the plan. Yeah, it's it's I, I really mm. like the way and just the, the way he speaks so casually, like he's not this isn't doomsday or, or dark side. This is just like, yeah, let me out. Yeah, I'll do it. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not thing. tackling evilly. He's just no, saying what he's no. going. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, so Galactus was dead recently and then brought back to life and merged with the destroyer armor. And then uh-huh, he was killed uh-huh. again. And now uh-huh. he's been returned back to life. But now Galactus is hungry. For knowledge, so <laughs> I, I'm not making it up. It's in Fantastic Four 47, whatever this this most recent dance slot thing was. Yep, he was brought so back to get... life by the Time Variance Authority, okay. uh, and now he's he's teamed back up again with Silver Surfer, but as like a companion. They use definitely use the word companion because remember thinking it's right out of Doctor oh. Who. And well, so yeah, that's the, the, the universe is the, the universe is now ten times bigger than we thought it was. 
So he's uh-huh. going to go explore it with the Silver Surfer. So anyway, did, did, that's, did that's what Galactus time, is up to. Do the, do the Time Variance Authority still like still look like Mark Grunewald? Uh, it was a uh, p- peace and love or hate and love. The the two okay. the two TVA people we've seen before. Okay. Because oh, this boy. whole uh, reckoning war was set up by by slot for ten years and, and She Hulk yeah, and things. Yeah. So it's the it, it's back there. I, I went back and saw it. Oh, okay. it, it hangs okay. together. The 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 actual current arc is a little wonky, but. Okay. Was ten yeah. was ten years ago when the new Doctor Who started? Because that's when Dan Slott's ideas started to begin too. Pretty close. Well, that's I'm okay. sure that's just a coincidence. Oh yeah, yeah. That whole run of Silver Surfer he did that was basically Doctor Who is a total coincidence. Okay, so <laughs> leaving Galactus alone for now. Yes. That's a whole that's a whole yes. different podcast. He's Jim on trial already, another time. Jim and I have already made fun of those. Uh, <laughs> we go back to Avengers Mountain, where we're still having that same conversation between Tony and Cap and Cersei. So mm-hmm. I guess everything we've read has just taken place in a pretty short period of yeah. time, an instant, including the whole resurrection of, you know, gold cable. walls <laughs> and cable and whoever else they had to bring back. So it's been really quick. And this is just Tony just getting some sort of an alert saying, hey, oh, I, I guess while we're chatting, some stuff's been going yep. on. Yeah, we get the Professor X, uh, the Professor X uh, mind meld here uh, from the end of Hoxpox with uh, a different starring character. Different yeah, boy, so this right? is Druig speaking Hold to on. the in- entire world. He's not quite as slick as, as good old Chuck. No. Uh, he says, I'm not using telepathy. Sure, I could use telepathy, but we consider that intrusive and crass, so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And he's basically just announcing to the rest of the, the whole world, hey, we're sorry. We're in charge of com- controlling excess deviation. We're in charge of the deviants. And obviously, the mutants have become excessively deviated. We've let it go too long, but don't worry about it. We're stepping up. We're going to do our job better now. Uh, we see the protesters, at least, are super happy about this. Oh, yeah. They're crying, cheering. So they're crying. How much hugging. Their, uh, their mascara's running here. It's, uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're enraptured with this, uh, with this comment here. Yep. We will protect you, says Ruig. And then, however... And this is a weirdly phrased thing. I don't know how much mm-hmm. this is just Druig not being so good at his job, how much it's written mm-hmm. kind of kind of clumsily. But we, we see out in the ocean some some weird hexagons and some weird shapes starting to emerge from this giant glow. And we're given, and this is kind of cool, we're given a huge container ship for scale, right? One yeah. of those giant boats that's stacked high with basically the, the big boxes freight. that go on cars yeah. or on the back of trucks. Range. So this is, yeah. you know, this is these are things that are friggin' huge. And Druig says, Absolutely. we must ask you to not be afraid of the towering death machines that have emerged off the western seaboard of the United States. And yeah, I know, think if you're trying to reassure focus groups, people- Yeah, the focus group really kind of dropped the ball on naming yeah, those. Yeah, if, you, you if, you're gonna, yeah. if you're gonna say don't be afraid, maybe don't mention that they're towering death machines. Don't be afraid of the of the sunshine lollipop mo- uh, machines yeah. that are uh, popping Your protectors, up. your watchdogs, all yeah. sorts of ways he could have gone, but he decided to stick with towering death machines. Of and course. we get the page turn, and speaking of things that look really Kirby-like, mm-hmm. this, this is a super Kirby-looking page. They don't look quite like our usual celestials. They look more no. willowy and less robotic, but still kind mm-hmm. of robotic. But they've, they're, they're carrying weapons and staffs, and they've got glowing shapes. I think this page looks awesome. What do you think of this oh, splash yeah. page here? It, this is like a uh, like if you took Jack Kirby and put it through like a Ted McKeever um, filter. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with any Ted McKeever? Not I, a name that rings a bell. 
I'd recommend checking out his work here. It's very, it's, it's really, really good. Okay. Um, definitely not traditional, but it's very, very good. This just looks like Kirby through, put through a McKeever filter. It's, um, it's, you got like, it's like kind of biological, very, very angular. Um, it, it's, it's really something to look at for sure here. And it's like, not just, it's not just this like one beast coming out, but like we have like a, a winged one. We've got like a serpentine one. One that looks kind of like a mushroom head. It's very, very weird stuff here, but it's it's really cool, and it makes you wonder, like, where'd they come from? Like, how long have they been there? How come? How come we didn't know about these characters before? These these beings. Yeah. So these are the hex. These the are hex. eternals. These mm-hmm. aren't you know machines being piloted by eternals. Yeah. These are eternals. And Druig says. They're not towering death machines. You know, maybe, you know, my bad. Maybe I shouldn't have called them towering death machines. Maybe I'll stop saying towering death machines, towering death machines. It's just a joke around the office. It's just a joke around the office. It's an inside joke. You wouldn't get yeah. it. Uh, they <laughs> are the Hex there. and they are Eternals. Yes, we're not all human sized, but we're your protectors, no matter what. We're here for you. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this uh, whoever, I'm sure it's not a large crew on this container ship. But they are screwed because this ship is going down. Oh, you displace yeah. that much water all of a sudden, and uh, it's going to get messy, mm-hmm. as, as uh, Druig says. says, we would advise anyone in coastal regions to head inland as swiftly yeah. as they can. <laughs> so clearly this wasn't, Druig did not want to have to use the hex, right? He was hoping no, to behead the, the last behead Krakowans in that, that attack, but now he's got he's to use his, his next baby. card, which is a little yeah. messier. Of course, of course. And so Captain so we, America yells, Avengers assemble. Yep, and, he's uh, got to. It's, it's in his contract. Here. Yeah. <laughs> he gets paid each time. Now, I'm and we to, see these current Avengers, which includes, yeah. we've got Cap, we've got Echo, who is the Phoenix now. Yep. We see Thor, we see Captain Marvel. Marvel, and we see Namor. Are you familiar with the other two characters hanging out there? That is what I was going to ask you here. <laughs> Um, like we have a, a, a girl here with a cape and some giant sneakers. Um, sneakers. I, I thought you were going to say something else, but yes, giant sneakers. Huge, <laughs> well, giant sneakers. Huge tracks um, of high tops. Yes. Yeah. She I is the star brand. Who, really? How many yeah. star brands do we need? Well, um, she, they rest, they, she came back as a baby and now every time she uses star brand powers, she gets a little older. Okay. So, so is the other one night mask then? The other one is, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Night Hawk. Nighthawk. Okay, so from the Defenders, the guy from the Defenders, um, or from the squ- Squadron version. Supreme. He's, it's the Squadron Supreme version. Okay, because yeah, we're okay. all multiversal and oh, we're gross. against Mephisto. Yeah, Mephisto's the bad guy, and the Squadron Supreme was being used by Mephisto, and then they found out they're being used by Mephisto. So now he hates Mephisto more than everybody. So he's mm-hmm. been made an Avenger. They Coming haven't to theaters near you in fifteen years. They haven't mentioned there should be another Nighthawk out there who has the same. They have the same regular name. I forget what his name is. What's it? Do you might remember his name? Uh, Squadron Supreme is uh, one of those things that, if you ever have a trouble sleeping, open up an issue of Squadron Supreme because that will take care of you pretty quick. At least in my opinion. Is it? Was he Kurt Kyle? I thought he was a K name. Oh, the no. one of the defenders, but he should still be out there somewhere. They haven't mentioned if anybody notices. But this is the mm-hmm. one who's like a Marvel version of Batman. Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, the whole squadron it, again, supreme is that. It, I don't think it's going to matter too much to this book, but it is showing us. Yes, this is very much currently who the Avengers are. So this is up to the moment. So mm-hmm. we, there's been this huge, you know, these giants appear in the ocean. So you know, 
Tony's sensors register that as as well as do every seismograph on the planet. And uh, then, hey, he notices, oh, we've had Eternal sneak in here before, so I've upgraded my security a little bit better than uh, sure. the Quiet Council. Well, there and- is a star brand on her boob. Okay. Okay. She's yeah. a star brand. The, the star brand is there on her boob. Okay. I should have seen t- that. Tony recognizes that, oh, there's some Eternals here now. Step out of the reality fractal prism with your hands up. And it is Makari and, uh, what's her name? Athena. No, not sorry. Ajax. Ajax and Makari. And they have with them Sinister himself. He is is bound and gagged, which made me laugh, because how long do you think it took before they realized, yeah, we got to put a gag on this guy? Or he likes well, it. We, I thought he was, <laughs> that too, but we don't want to hear him anymore. He's really annoying. We'd better shut him the f up. That, that was part of the plan, though. He's like, if I can get gagged, uh, that, would, that would that would be divine. <laughs> so he does not actually speak in this issue, which is unfortunate. But it, it he would he could have derailed this issue. We this is a serious issue. We don't need sassy sinister here. <laughs> but they show up and they say, hey, what we need? Yes, we know. Eternals, there's Eternals doing some bad things. Druig is off the chain, but we have a plan. Uh, what's going on is that the Eternals can't be defeated as long as the Earth exists, and you know, mm-hmm. destroying the Earth is kind of a, a last ditch kind of plan. We don't want to do that. Uh, so, what we can do is, if this is about the principles about correcting excess deviation, well, all we need to do is you know rewrite our own basic operating system principles. And to do that, we simply have to build a god. Mm-hmm. And Tony, we want your help in building a god. And Tony says, you know, that's pure hubris, which, I mean, building your own god is about as, as hubristic as it can get. That's the definition. Yeah, don't get much higher than that, yeah. No. But Tony says, I'm, I'm pro-hubris, which she would be. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? And Ajax says, you know, look around you. We have everything we need. And we zoom out to outside Avengers Mountain, which is, of course a giant friggin' dead celestial known as the progenitor. And when we zoom out, we see the eyes are kind of glowing red. I don't know if they were glowing before. I'm not supposed to, I don't know if we're supposed to read anything into this. Yeah, I don't either. Now, now we get back that red narration box asking, once again, just what it said last time, well, who is the hero? We will find out one way or another, dot, 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 we will find out. Mm -hmm. So, that is where we wrap up this issue. Is the implication is that is it are they bringing the celestial back to life and that is the voice? That's what I'm thinking. It seems like almost like not no pun intended like a red herring a little bit. I, I don't I maybe I don't know. I'm thinking that know. because we get these boxes right over the celestial. Yeah. So there's a graphical link, and again thinking back to that promotional poster type splash page, we had. This celestial in the background yeah. with its hand out, which it's with its thumb sideways, like mm-hmm. it could go up, it, it could go yeah. down. We've it's called Judgment, not Day. Dawn of Justice, yeah. Judgment Day, <laughs> AXEJD, AXEJD. And so maybe that's going to be their new god. Maybe they're going mm-hmm. to bring this celestial back to life with whatever kind of reprogramming they can attempt to put into it to make the god give them the rules they want to have, which is an interestingly bootstrap, hubristic idea. And who knows? That could be interesting. Or it could be the two polar bears that are outside. I think this voice is this future 
I'm going to say new God, but not not new God TM, lowercase, new new (laughs) celestial God, projecting its consciousness and its voice back in time and back through the fourth wall talking to us. That is what I think we're supposed to think, at least. Could be. Could very well be here. So what did you what did you think? I thought this was a pretty uh, damn good issue. I I I like this a whole lot more than our kind of slow motion get everybody up to speed, ramp up in the prelude. I thought this jumped into the heart of the matter pretty quick. And I think mm-hmm. the art here looks A1 fantastic. These the, the hex looks amazing. Yeah. The psychic battle over Krakoa looked astonishing. All the characters look right. I didn't like the art back in the Eve book very much. Who I described that? it. Do you remember? It, oh, I forget. That probably doesn't matter. I described it as looking kind of like an after-school cartoon. I described mm-hmm. Druig as looking kind of like Skeletor. Like, like <laughs> I, I think of, of Druig as being not always in control, but mm-hmm. not a cackling villain, right? He at sure, least is sure. trying to project himself as being cool and collected. Well, like, I, I, think, think I think this captures be... it better. Yeah, I don't think he should be depicted as a villain at all. You know, I mean, I don't think he thinks what he's doing is villain. I mean, what villain does, but he is going along with the demandments, you know? it's He's doing what he does. Um, I think the only character here I didn't care for the depiction of was Mystique. I thought she looked very, very weird. She only appeared in like two panels, but it was just like, eh, it's weird. Okay. I, I didn't really dig it. But uh, everybody else looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Pasquale <clears throat> Ferry doing the Eve book. Really? Very, wow. A very different style. Of, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I'm used to seeing, uh, who was our main artist on Eternals again? Just fell out of my head. Was it Asad Oh, Rabich? Asad Rabichu. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was a very, not necessarily realistic, but- Painterly, uh, painterly watercolory, grounded, muddy-ish. Yeah. yeah, gritty, where we had, in, in Eve, it was kind of smirking cartoony villains, which I didn't gotcha. think was so- gotcha. Yeah, I think art-wise, I, I think it was top-notch, no mm-hmm. no criticism there at all. Mm-hmm. I think the story got all three groups involved, which sure. we haven't seen so much. We've seen kind of mostly the Eternals, a little bit mm-hmm. of the the X-Men, a little bit of mutants, but this really, we can see the position of all the groups, yeah. including yeah. the splits within some of the groups, right? For Especially sure. within the Eternals and a little bit within the X-Men as well. The Avengers mm-hmm. seem more or less unified. Right they're, now, they're, they're, they're the only team involved here. Yes. Right you know, now, they're society, just- Society, society team. They're just cu- currently being the, the astonished X-Men, the astonished Avengers. They're like, yeah. what the hell is going on? There are, there are enemies. What, who, what, when, why, where? So they're going to have to have a move to come back at this and you know, figure for out sure. what their place in this is. But for right now, they just have some, some Eternals there kind of you know, giving them the narration. You know, here's, here's what's up, dummies. And mm-hmm. so we can, we see all the, all the pieces on the board, which at the end of an issue one, that's what I like to see. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I think we see the motivation for all the groups and we mm-hmm. had some, some really cool action and we see Oranos is been let loose and is clearly going to be let loose again. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this solves Mars. Um, that I, would I, be interesting that yeah. for have this, cause we have been talking, you know, way back since we started this and Hey, Having a, a million, you know, violent mutants out on Mars is kind of not a ideal. Prob- for story yeah. reasons, that's kind of a, a problem. Like, how are we going to deal yeah. with that? That's this huge change. Somehow that's got to be undone. And maybe we just saw that undone? Well, that, I, I mean, X, I X-Men, Red so. is, X-Men Red is continuing. It's not like we're going to get a, uh, oh. Well, do what, we know it's that? continuing past, uh, past oh, Judgment Day? I don't know. 
yeah, would be funny if it turns out, which was, is that, that zombie book that put out fake solicits so they could do a, uh, Oh, uh, walking dead, walking dead. Right. That was yeah. a, a cool thing he did where he wanted the ending to be a surprise. Well, yeah, so he that, actually that's... put out, he actually put out fake solicits for issues that would never be made so that the ending was actually a shock to people. I don't think that they're was, going to do that here at Marvel. That was something that uh, they did. Uh, Steve Gerber did that back at Malibu Comics for a book called Exiles mm. back in 1993 or so. Oh, it was. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's Howard the Duck guy, right? That's Howard what I the think Duck. of with him. Yeah, Howard the Duck man thing, stuff like that, uh, where it ended with the fourth issue with the entire team being killed. And that's just how it ended. But they had solicits and previews for up to issue six, which was unheard of at the time. This is, you know, the early 90s where, you know, it was, it was a different world uh, in the comic uh, universe there. So very interesting stuff there. It was actually supposed to be a cosmic treadmill or a weird comics history episode we just never got to. But um, yeah, I, I love that kind of thing. And if they did it here, hey, more power to them. That'd be fun. But uh, I doubt it. I don't think the Disneys and the stockholders and, and the people like that would... Uh, yeah, really. At let, least us have, let us have our fun. In the Judgment Day checklist itself, they have because now clearly X Men Red is very. No matter what, how matter how they explain this, X Men Red is super tied into this event. Oh, a hundred thousand percent. Or it just yeah. wiped out some sizable fraction of a million mutants there. But we see yeah, we in the Judgment Day checklist that X Men Red five, six, and seven are all listed as oh, part of this C7. event. In oh October, yeah, I'm looking. October, yeah. I'm looking. Yeah, the uh, the 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 way they have them listed here looks kind of weird. So yeah, I see five, six, and seven. Yeah, so if seven is the last issue, I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it ain't. But they've uh, set up. I, they've set up so many plot threads there that it hmm. seems impossible they could wrap them all up. Or I mean, we've got the whole you know the 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 Summers brother gone crazy there. It's, what's that, who's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah, yeah we got to do the Vulcan thing. Storm is the queen, doesn't want yeah. to be called the queen. The Brotherhood was just set up. Abigail Brand doing Abigail doing Brand stuff. Thing. I mean, yeah. I don't think we just ended her story, even though we see her broken sunglasses. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of stuff going on there. So mm-hmm. it's it's a book that makes me ask all these questions, which again, you know, that's, that's what I love thing. about these things. I'm going to be thinking about this book until we get the, not the next one, mm-hmm. which that's, if you're great at this pass fail, that is certainly a pass. That's a success. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I don't think we need to give give numbers to this like uh, Jim and I do on, on the regular Marvel show. But I yeah. refuse. Yeah, you can if you like. Do, I, we're not going to do, do that. But yeah, I would say- I'll, if, I'll say 10 out of 10 if it gets us retweets. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to uh, give this yeah. a, a, a Siskel and Ebert thumbs up. I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> if, if you've been reading any of the current X-Men, any of the current Eternals, Avengers, you know, Avengers maybe maybe not. But if you've, been, if you've been following the Eternals and the X-Men story, this is a book you want to read. For well, sure. It, it, feel, it feels like the entire Eternals volume was building to this, which I think it might have come a little bit, little bit uh, sooner than they, they planned, because I think that could have played out a little bit longer. But I, I think that this is a perfect follow-up to that uh, Eternal series here. It's just picking up everything that you could want them to pick up on. Yeah, from they get that. the characters and the themes and the mission, you know, the mission following through on important things we learned about in that volume. Mm-hmm. They're all coming together here. Yeah. And it's got the same author, so you know he he knows what. Oh yeah, up it's got yeah the it's got a, the same through line. Um, I do think, and I mean, it's it's a weird. I I, I can't even call it a criticism, more of an observation than anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like this is going to read a whole lot better in collected edition. Um, this uh, as an issue, I mean, like you said, you're excited for the next issue. I'm really, oh, you know, I'll read it. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, um, I, it really doesn't, I'm not at the edge of my seat. Like, okay. uh, like I'm thinking back to like AVX, which, you know, I, I didn't call this for most of the episode, but, um, AVX was 12 parts, but at the end of every issue, I wanted the next issue really, really badly. And, um, I tried reading it again in collected edition. It didn't really have the same kind of pull for me. So some, some stories I think are crafted in a way that really lends to the serial format. Others are more for the collected format. I feel like this one is definitely leaning toward the collected. And that's not a fault of the issue. It's kind of just the way I'm, we do things. I'm now. clearly more, as the kids say, hype for this, this uh, event than you are. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited about this. And mm. the one thing about the, the week-to-week individual issues is I really enjoy the, the talking about them in between. I like that. Well, yeah, that's We're all on the, the same part. page. We've all yeah. read, you know, a couple days, let what people catch up, yeah. you know, over the Slack chat or on Twitter or you and me speculating about things where it's a lot less fun to speculate about things if the person you're talking to already knows the ending or if (laughs) i I could just turn a page and read what happens why bother speculating but when we actually have this time i I think that i think that's the fun of the individual comic issues is that that chit chat it's it's more fun than reading them a lot of the time and we hope our our (laughs) listeners agree that the uh, speculation is fun too because hey that's that's what we do here so <laughs> wild theories and uh and tame theories as well but um one thing i noticed about uh, uh one thing that's been standing out to me about gillen and his x writing of late is and i mentioned this when i covered uh immortal x-men number two on x lapsed where like the conversation was about saline you know and uh saline was trying to show how she was vital to becoming a member of the quiet council because she could protect Koa against magic and even in the conversation they had, it's like, well, we have other people who can do that. You know, we, we can get magic to do this. And like, no, no, we can't do that. Oh, okay. So like we're focused so heavily on Celine as this one saving grace here that you kind of have to like squint and tilt your head to make it work. And I feel like we had the same thing here. And again, you, you kind of lampshaded it about the five here where Druig wouldn't know. And this is more about sending a message that he does know some things, but the... Yeah, and maybe I'm just jaded from being so ingrained in this current X-Men run here and really not appreciating that there might be people who are just picking this up on a lark. It's it's hard to kind of see from the outside in mm-hmm. uh, where like there's tension there, but not for me, not for us, because <laughs> like we know about all this other stuff here. Um, I don't know. It, it's It's like I said, it can't be a criticism because this isn't being written just for X-Men readers and people who are so buried you know up to their eyeballs in current year x-men stuff it's more about the wider marvel universe but yeah as, as far as as far as a big summer event there's some other events going on in, in you know, dc world and other places i think this is the event clearly that i'm most invested in you know it's the dark, only one I'm dark crisis in. i don't really care too much about i'm curious to see how it shakes out but i'm not i'm not week to week saying oh i, I can't wait to see it next i i'm really curious to see where the eternals end up and mm-hmm. if the Eternals are still going to be an ongoing thing when this is Post. done, because we, yeah. we know the we know the X Men aren't going away, we know the yeah. Avengers aren't going away, mm-hmm. the Eternals might go away, right? Or, because, or be take out in a totally different uh, a totally different way. And which is the, the nice thing about being you know a C or D minus C D list group is that there actually is some freedom here. If Kieran Gillen had a pitch to say, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to kill off or radically change the Eternals." They're not mm-hmm. going to say, no, you can't do that. I mean, they, they had their movie, which sure. didn't do so great. And I don't know if we're going to get, you know, I know we don't care about the movies, but uh, 
we saw a list of a whole bunch of future Marvel movies coming up. None of them had Eternals in the title. So there was a setup. There was a setup at the end of the last Eternals movie for something involving Star Fox, but it's not on the docket just yet. So I'm not sure if we're going to see that. But so that just, again, that just means to me more freedom for something something big could happen to the Eternals. And I mean, it it would be a snap of the finger to like bring them back to whatever they need them to be if a movie does come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it's not like Marvel gives a rat's ass about continuity in the comics anyway. It's we can make anything anything. And if you're following books and if you've been reading them for thirty years, well, screw you anyway. <laughs> we don't want you here. So um, yeah, they could do whatever they want with the Eternals. And uh, uh, luckily, they're not. This isn't like a huge push like they tried doing with the Inhumans back, you know, seven eight years ago where. Right. Really couldn't do a whole lot with the, you know, the, the, the X-Men had to lose that the X-Men had to be the ones who were altered irreparably for a while because yeah, business well, reasons. Well, the Inhumans, yeah, the Inhumans are on that stupid shield show. Right. I, I think so. Uh, we gotta, we gotta push the Inhumans. So this time a little bit different and we'll see where it all shakes out. I know, uh, with, uh, international pretend to give a crap about comics weekend announced that there's that new X-Men cartoon coming out. So, uh, Maybe uh, maybe there is a newfound importance on uh, the X-Men to the Marvel Universe. Who, who knows? Okay, so I think unless you have something else to add, Chris, we're going to call that uh, a wrap on our AXE Judgment Day number one coverage. We're good to go? I think so. I think we are all all good in the hood here. And um, Sweet. Next, next time, what do we got next time for the well, folks? Next week, I have my whole spreadsheet of when all these books are supposed to come out in case we have any changes. But next week, it looks like there's no Axe-related books scheduled uh, to hit shops. Oh, goodness. So, oh, my goodness. I was just hit with a flashback to Young Animal. Oh, my goodness. Reggie and I is, doing Young Animal. Oof. I, I have the schedule laid out at least through the end of September. We know this book goes all the way, or this event goes all the way through October with one book listed for November. But mm. the dates I have through end of September, it looks like next week is the only week with no, no Axe no books scheduled. So what Chris and I are going to do is we're going to hop back in time a little bit and talk mm. about the X lives and X deaths of Wolverine, which mm. is uh, a two- two tied together miniseries that kind of bridge the reign of X with the destiny of X. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. It's uh, a lot about, you know, Moira's current status comes from mm-hmm. there. So that directly ties into Judgment Day because she's a big player here. And, sure. you know, if we finish up that discussion, maybe a surprise or two, we'll see what you happens. Never know. Never, know. never know. So before we go, Chris, please remind everyone where they can hear more of you chatting about our friends, the X-Men, and everything else. Certainly, certainly. For hopefully a, a less cynical uh, Chris, um, you can head over to X-Lapsed, where I'm talking about each individual issue here. And uh, currently on, I think the last episode I put out, as of this recording, was Immortal X-Men number two, um, episode 354 or so. But um working my way through, getting, getting current again. So a lot of the stuff we're going to be discussing here... I haven't read yet. I haven't read the uh, the lead up to because I like to go in to the show, you know, with my initial reactions. So this the X the X stuff will be different, but everything leading up to it'll be brand new. So if you want to hear my initial thoughts for any of the current books, going all the way back to uh, House of X number one back in 2019, got a lot of audio to check out. Uh, I've also talked about a lot of Silver Age stuff. I have 60 episodes of something I call the Essential X Labs, going from X Men number one. All the way through all the X-Men appearances, uh, I think I'm up to, or I'm almost through the first 66. 
which is, uh, you know, the original run of X-Men from back in the day. So there's that. There's a lot of side stuff. Um, you know, if, if, if my voice is something you want in your head, you got it. Uh, Chris is on infiniteearth.com. Chris and Reggie.podbean.com. X lapsed is the show. Fantastic. And of course, if you want to hear more of my yakking, I'm on with Jim every week on the, the Marvel podcast and on the Marvel Patreon podcast. And we're going to be recording some more Death Note coverage uh, very soon, too. So you'll hear me chattering about uh, Shinigamis and apples and, and Death mm-hmm. Notes and that kind of cool stuff. But until next week, I think we're going to call that an end. Please, if you have any comments or thoughts, hit us up, write us an email to the usual places, find us on the Twitters, find us on the Slack if you're on our Patreon. And hey, we will see you again next time. See ya. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.